Tuesday, March 22nd. This is the Boys of Spring podcast. My name is Ryan Miller, the MLB scout liaison for the Orleans Firebirds in the Cape Cod League, as well as a writer for JustBaseball.com. And joining me for the first part of this episode is Ethan Badowski, JustBaseball.com writer, and he also covers the Florida Gators, and that was, that's what we're here to talk about. Ethan, how's, how's it going? Good, man. It's good to be here. I'm glad I get to finally... Uh, join the boys of spring and my first podcast appearance talking about the Gators so I'm really excited yeah I mean this is a pretty fun team we were talking about Mm. this before we started Um, this schedule is pretty tough for them down the line so they they started off with a tough series versus Liberty and nobody really knew who Liberty or they 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 knew that they were a good program but they didn't really know how good they would be early Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. and they come out take two or three from Florida and since then, it's been pretty smooth sailing, not a lot of losses. They took two or three from Alabama this weekend. But what have you seen struggles-wise that this that could hold this team back for some SEC games? Well, I think the biggest thing that's going to hold Florida back going forward is just uh, the third rotation spot. So right now, yeah. they've got Hunter Barco at the top, and he is sensational. We'll talk about him in a little bit. He has been great for them this year. And then Brandon Sprout, he's had a couple starts like that haven't been super great, but he's locked down that Saturday spot. But Pierce Coppola, um, who's a freshman, 6'8", lefty from New Jersey, I believe, he yep. is. he came out in his first start, and he matched what Barco did in his first start and was tremendous. He struck out like five of the first six and had eight through five or something. And we haven't seen him since because he got hurt. And he actually, in the second series, was supposed to start on Saturday. But then he got scratched from his start with some back uh, issues. And it could possibly end his season. We're not sure. We haven't heard official word on, on any progress with him. Um, but they have to get that third spot figured out because Timmy Manning, is the uh, young lefty. I think he's a sophomore. Uh, he took over that third spot and he's really struggled. I mean, he couldn't get through two innings in yesterday's loss against Alabama, um, which was an ugly one and and goes into another weakness the Gators have, which is their fielding percentage is high, but they're committing a lot of errors again. And they're making a lot of dumb mistakes in the field. And uh, Josh Rivera yesterday, who is, you know, supposed to be one of the best defenders uh, in the SEC, you know, and, and he's been very good defensively for them, but made a couple mistakes yesterday that led to runs, throwing a couple balls away. And it's just these small mistakes for Florida that they got to get cleaned up that can come back to bite them. But overall, um, yeah, that Liberty series was weird. You know, it, it just kind of felt like Florida came out flat uh, on Saturday and Sunday. They picked up a big win on Friday night. But um, since then, you're right, Ryan, it's, it's been smooth sailing. But the toughest thing for them has they haven't really been able to pull off a sweep. You know, they took two or three from yeah. Miami. They took two of three uh, from Seton Hall. They lost on Sunday against Seton Hall. They lost on Sunday against Alabama. So, you know, it, it really is that Sunday spot that's worrying for them right now. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure in my next mock draft, the number one college pitcher is going to be Hunter Barco. Mm-hmm. I haven't locked that in quite yet, but I'm pretty sure that's who it's going to be. So let's talk about the pitching staff and him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he's been tremendous for the Gators so far. 6'4 lefty can really spin it. Um, his delivery kind of reminds me of Rich Hill, which I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that really uh, kind of compliments or, or deafens his game at all. Um, it, that's just how it kind of looks to me. But what have you seen with Barco? And do you think he's probably the best pitcher in the country now that Landon Sims went down with an injury? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'll be honest, my college baseball is kind of refined to Gainesville. And as I go through the SEC schedule, I'll start learning more about the SEC and stuff. But really, you know, when I look at Barco, I mean, it's hard to see how anybody could be better. And just the numbers jump off the page at you right now. You know, he's got this 1.72 ERA that he's working with. And he has a 44 to 2 walk, uh, strikeout to walk ratio. So he's not putting a lot of guys on. He's not making anything not giving anything away to hitters and he's striking guys out. And a huge part of that has been the slider for him. The slider has just been the weapon uh, on Saturday. You know, he had 10 strikeouts and I think he had a 50 50 split between uh, swinging and looking. So guys are just really off balance whenever they step up to the plate. And it's because he brings good fastball. He's got the changeup. He's got the splitter, which he's worked on. And that slider has really become his go-to pitch. And so he's got three off-speed offerings that make it really tough on hitters. And he can just kind of mix and match looks, give you different things. And you're right. He can spin it, man. And that thing is nasty. Um, and it's something that, you know, hitters have to be aware of. But nobody's been able to touch it so far. I mean, Miami, you know, the Miami start wasn't great. Um, he, he let up four runs on seven hits in five innings. He only struck out five, but three, I'm looking at it now, three of his five starts, he's gone double-digit strikeouts, 10, 11, and 12 in those starts. Um, and he's just been fantastic. And, and yeah, he has to be a name that is going up and up on, on draft boards right now. Let's talk about Judd Fabian a little bit. And yes. that's kind of where the outfield starts. Uh-huh. Highly, highly touted prospect come out of high, coming out of high school. Um, second round pick last year, the Red Sox obviously came back for another year. He is young for his class, so that really won't affect anything prospect wise. And the big thing I like to see in college hitters go in the first round is to just hit above 300. Mm-hmm. I get that batting average may be a little bit of an outdated stat, but for this, for this purpose in the MLB draft, you really have to hit and you have to hit well. And looking back at his career numbers, he had a pretty bad freshman year had a pretty good year during the COVID-shortened season, and then last year hit 20 homers, but the average wasn't really there, and he was swinging and missing a lot. Has he improved on that? Yeah, I mean, he's improved tremendously in that department, which is the number one thing that scouts are going to want to see from him. And actually, Miller, he's got more walks than strikeouts right now That so far this year. He's walked a good sign. Yeah, he's walked 21 times, and he struck out 17 and the power is is there. Uh, he's got eight home runs so far. Him and Wyatt Langford, who we'll definitely talk about, have um, are tied for the team lead. The the thing with Judd that I really like is you know it's it's the plate discipline and it's the selectiveness with his pitches. He's spitting on a lot of pitches. Like it's not like he's checking his swing all the time or he's in between. If he doesn't like something, he's not even thinking about swinging at it. And uh, he had a couple of errant at bats on Sunday where he was kind of swinging freely and that that swing and miss is always going to be an aspect of his game I mean it was his Achilles heel last year but right now he is sitting at that 300 mark and you're right you know one of the big downfall one of the reasons that he fell from he was a top five pick before the year one of the reasons he fell so far is because of how much he struck out um but he's cleaned that up a little bit definitely cleaned that up this year and if he can really you know, keep that clean throughout the year. He's probably going to go back up into the first round. Um, but like I said, the biggest thing that I've seen from him is that he's more disciplined and he's still keeping the power. So he can hit for a lot of power while 
you know, being selective with his pitches and not swinging freely. So that's a huge thing to look for from him. He plays great defense in center field. That that's always something, you know, when I, I, uh, his freshman year, I guess was my sophomore year of college. Um, and I would go to, I, I've gone to a bunch of games throughout my time at, at UF. And one of the things that always jumped out at me watching Judd was his defense, making, you know, robbing catches. I saw, like, I remember that first year he made this insane catch as a freshman, like running into the right center field gap, which at the old stadium was, was really deep. Um, but this kid's he's, he's awesome. And uh, he definitely, you can see him taking a leadership role on the team. He kind of speaks for the team. He's in all the press conferences. Um, so I, I, I love where Judd's going so far. And I mean, I, you know, I don't know about you. I'm actually going to put an article together with some, with you and a couple other guys that I've talked to about college, about the draft and just where these guys are going to go. And everybody seems to be pretty high on, on, on Fabian and, and him moving back up after, you know, falling in the second round last year. Yeah, and a guy who has hit above 300 is Sterling Thompson. Had a very good freshman year last season. He hit 301, had five bombs, got on base at a 396 clip. And he, I for, from the numbers, he, it looks like he played pretty decent defense. And this year is no different. 329 so far, six homers, already got more than last year in a third as many games. So Sterling Thompson, do you think that He's a legitimate prospect going forward. Yeah, I, I really like this kid. Uh, he's been really impressive. Um, you know, as, as good as Judd has been, besides Langford, the guy that has probably stood out most in the lineup is 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 Sterling Thompson. Uh, he's hitting 329 this year. Like you said, you know, he's already uh, surpassed his home run total from last year. He's got six so far. And it's not just home runs. He's hitting for a lot of, you know, for power as well. Getting into the gaps. He's got a triple this year. He's got three doubles. Um, looking at these numbers, he's got a 610 slugging percentage. And he's got pretty good plate discipline too. He's not taking the volume of walks that Judd is. I mean, Judd is so far ahead of everybody else on the team. Like he's got 21. And then the next highest total on the team is, is his brother, who's got 12. Which, by the way, keep an eye out for Derek Fabian as he, as he matures and, and grows because he has gotten off to a really, really good start. Um, he's a freshman, hitting, correct? Yeah, he's, he's a okay. freshman. He's hitting 284 with a 758 OPS, and, and he's striking out a bunch, but he's got 12 walks so far. So I really like what I've seen from him, and he's, he's great with this, the glove as well. But Sterling has some work to do in right field. I definitely think that would be the biggest part of his game. He's, he's made some mistakes out there. You can kind of see that he's serviceable, but he's not really going to provide a whole lot above average value out in right field as, as he currently is. He's not like the greatest athlete in the world, um, but he, he is going to, you know, he can hit. He can really hit and him and Fabian and Langford, this offense has been really good this year. Um, those three guys have been right in the middle of everything and they're hitting two, three, four in the lineup right now, I think. And it's been them. And then um, Ryapel is another guy that's, that's really been great this year hitting the ball. Well, but I, I you know, T Thompson is right in the middle of everything they do everything. You know, he's involved in every rally yesterday on, on, uh, on Sunday, I guess this will come out on Tuesday. So on Sunday against Bama, you know, him and Langford started off with like back-to-back -back doubles in the first inning. Then they went back-to-back -back home runs. Like the, the, these guys are providing every game. It feels like the big guys are doing the work for Florida. And Thompson has been a huge part of that. Another guy with a similar story is Colby Halter. He yep. also hit above 300 in his freshman year. 
kind of similar to Sterling Thompson in a way. Didn't hit for too much power, or hasn't yet. Um, you know, six foot one, lefty stick. What do you see in him? Love this guy. Um, he hit a frozen rope out uh, yesterday, or yeah, on Sunday against Alabama. Um, not gonna not gonna flash at you the way that Judd and and Langford and uh, Sterling Thompson will. Um, because he's not hitting for as much power, but he just finds a way to get on base, man. Um, I mean, he's got 10 walks on the year. You know, he's getting on base at a 457 clip, and he is slugging up near 600. So putting the ball in gaps with some doubles and some home runs. Again, the Gator stats, you know, college stats are always a little inflated, but the Gator stats are going to be really high right now because they haven't really gotten into the teeth of their schedule. You know, Miami's the best team that they've faced so far, unless you want to talk about Liberty. Um, you know, they had a good pitching staff, but, you know, a lot of these games are against the Seton Halls and the Georgia States and the Jacksonvilles and the Alabamas, you know, not teams that are really going to compete with the Gators. Um, so their stats are going to be a little, little inflated, but Halter's tearing the cover off the ball right now. Um, he's, he's nice at second base, him and Rivera. They've had a little bit of issues on double plays. So that's certainly something to watch out for. Um, but for a second baseman, he can really hit and he's putting the ball in gaps, which is, you know, and, and hitting it over the fence as well. So for a second baseman to have the kind of power where he's slugging almost 600, that's a really good sign. Um, natural hitter. There's a lot of those on Florida. There are guys that just, just can hit and, and they don't stop hitting. Uh, and Halter, Halter's one of them. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens when these guys kind of get into the part of the season maybe they go through a slump you know the sec gets tougher they've got a lot of really good opponents to face coming up but halter is a guy you know i i talked to a friend of mine who really loves the college baseball draft and he said he's a guy under the radar to keep an eye on so let's end on wyatt langford probably the best hitter in this gators lineup yes stats wise so far 20 games he already has eight bombs he's slugging 787 and yeah. is hitting an even 400 he also has not made an error at all in the field. And, you know, this this guy, he, he didn't play too much in his first year, mm -hmm. but this could be a mainstay in this Gators lineup. Yeah, so what happened this year is coming in, um, the biggest question about the starting lineup was going to be who starts in left field because Jacob Young, um, you know, got drafted by the Nationals. He moved on. He was the top of the order. He did everything for the Gators last year um, on offense. So losing him was big. They were going to have to replace him. Uh, and there are four really good freshman um, outfielders on this roster. You know, they have like four of the top 10 outfielders listed uh, by perfect game in this year's recruiting class. So another insane recruiting class brought in by Kevin O'Sullivan. Um, Langford beat all those guys out because of what he did with the bat. And Sully was kind of saying, you know, he'll, he'll get it done with the glove. You, you know, don't be, you know, he's going to have to, have some growing pains in left field, but he can get it done with the glove and he's done really well so far. Like you mentioned, he hasn't made an error. That's been huge for the Gators because they didn't expect him to be so good with the glove. Um, but what's really been amazing is the power. I mean, he hit two home, uh, he hit three home runs in this series against Alabama. Um, he hit one, I think in each game, maybe, or maybe he had two and then one, um, he had, he had another on Sunday and it cleared the scoreboard at, uh, Alabama's park. So he's, yeah, he had two on Saturday and one on Sunday. So he's been really impressive. And again, you know, another guy, he's got 10 walks this year. So this Florida team can, they can, they make it really difficult on you. They work good at bats. 
um, and and they can hit for power as well. And yeah, I, I mean, as as great as Judd's been, he's been a story because of coming back and 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 making his case and making a good case so far. But Langford has been arguably the best, probably. I mean, definitely been the best hitter on this on this uh, stats team. wise, at least. Yeah, he he went seven for fourteen against Alabama this weekend, wow. and he hit three home runs. So he's got eight on the year, tied for tied with Judd for the lead. So yeah, he is dangerous, and uh, he's a sophomore. So next year's class, uh, you know, he's he's going to be somebody to watch for that could could make a jump. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Ethan, thank you for joining us for a little yeah, bit, man. talking about this talented Gators roster. Where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, my Twitter is at Ethan Badowski. Uh, I work for the Independent Florida Alligator. That's where I do my Gator coverage. Of course, I write for Just Baseball as well. That's um, where we've been met up. Uh, the Big Hall Talk podcast is another thing I do, but that's been on a hiatus now that Hall of Fame season is over. But follow me at Ethan Badowski if you want Gator baseball coverage. Um, it's a good team, Miller. It's it's a good team, yep. and 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 we're going to learn a lot about them going forward because their schedule is about to get really tough. They got Florida State this week um, or, or next week. I'm really excited for that Florida State game. Um, but they're gonna, we're going to learn a lot about them, and they've got a lot of guys that you know come June could hear their names called on days one and two. So, all right. Well, thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you back on. I appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. Thanks, Miller. All right, I hope you enjoyed the first part of the episode. Now I'm here, Ben Bellotti, co-host of Boys of Spring, Pete Flaherty alongside me. We're going to start breaking down the top 25. Pete, you ready to do this? I'm fired up, man. They got a great part one. I hope they stuck around for part two. Oh, me too, me too. Now we're going to go over our um, our college baseball top 25. So we got a little things that differ from D1 Baseball and Baseball America. But, of course, we think our list is the most accurate. We've been, we have been staying on top of these teams. Uh, like no one else. So first off, let's start with teams that dropped out. Uh, we have Mississippi State leaving the top 25. And, you know, they haven't been playing too well. Stanford also out. And then NC State, another notable team that's out. So, B, what do you think? What is the main reason that these three teams have all dropped out of the top 25? Yeah, I think on our end, when looking at who's going to be in the top 25 and who's going to be out of there, um, I know with dropping Maryland out, um, they're a team that didn't really play themselves out of it. It was more just teams playing themselves into it. It's right. hard to avoid the loud starts that teams like UConn um, and like Gonzaga, Louisville, and Wake Forest have had, which we'll talk about a little later. So with Maryland, if we were doing others receiving votes, like in college hoops or college football, they'd be probably our 26th ranked team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even an argument to be made, obviously, that they should be ranked. Mississippi State has been – they've been really going down a slippery slope for a while now. It, red flags were raised even as early as the first series, but you can't make too many judgments off of three games. And then also right. with NC State, they're another team kind of on that Mississippi State decline where they started off 8-0 and then they got into some tougher competition and there were some holes that were exposed in their pitching staff. Maybe their lineup wasn't as vaunted as we had initially thought. And where you combine those factors with teams like Louisville sweeping Notre Dame, Wake Forest pummeling Georgia Tech, um, Texas State keeping up their good play. It's hard to have those teams ranked when there are other teams performing at a really high clip and have been for now 20 games. Yeah, absolutely. And previously last week we did have um, Mississippi coming in at number 23, Maryland at 24, and Stanford was actually 
all the way at number 11 for us at just baseball here. So pretty notable drops for us. And, um, but let's get into the teams that are ranked because there's a lot of great teams that deserve to be talked about. So coming at number 25, we have the Connecticut Huskies, UConn. UConn has been playing a great brand of baseball. Eric Stock, their senior outfielder, has been leading the offense um, at OPS over 1,000 with his, during his whole time at UConn. And, you know, on the mound, their pitching is just killing it. Their team ERA is 2-3-1, and they have 191 strikeouts over 152 innings. I mean, just insanely – they're doing insanely well on the bump. So why do you think they should be at number 25 ranked? Yeah, UConn is always in the they're, – they're considered, I think, now the class of the Northeast when it comes to programs. Mm. I think they've overtaken teams like Boston College and even Northeastern. I think they're, Absolutely. they're right on par with Northeastern. Um, and UConn, they, they've had a really, really tough schedule. Outside of a midweek game, I think they got Hartford midweek. They've had teams like USF, Charlotte, Louisville. They had a West Coast swing, which a lot of the Northeast teams do. And they've done nothing but produce. They beat, they won a series out at Pepperdine, beat USC in a midweek, had a really good week out in, I think it was, they played UC San Diego. And they're a team that's, there were a lot of questions heading into this season, especially with the loss of Reggie Crawford, guys like Kyler Fedko, Reggie, obviously due to injury, but there were questions about who was going to fill that void and getting Austin Peterson, that transfer from Purdue has been huge. They've had freshmen like Ian Cook really step up into a midweek Sunday role. Um, the back end, Jack Sullivan, another freshman, they've had a lot of guys step up into bigger roles than I think coach Penders was ready to put them into as freshmen um, and underclassmen, but they've done nothing to find success and there's no reason, especially on the arm side, why that shouldn't be able to continue. And, and like you said, Eric stock, Casey, Dana, Ben Huber, Zach Bushling, those are a veteran group of guys. They're, they're those Northeast tough kind of guys. They're going to win you a lot of baseball games. And I think the future and even present is, is very, very promising in stores. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you mentioned Casey Dana too, former ocean state wave for a couple of years. Oh yeah absolute pop out of his bat uh did great at seeing all great for us and he's doing great at uconn so uh now at number 24 stanford so still in there not by much um the sweep by arizona definitely did not help them at they have now a record of nine and eight probably the the worst record team on here that we still have ranked so they're not on d1 baseball's top 25 they are on ours uh, I think, you know, they just have such a talented roster that everyone here at Just Baseball, including us, has been talking about. So, you know, we, we're not exactly ready to let go of them completely off the top 25. But, uh, Pete, why do you think we still have them here while other sources like D1 Baseball just get them right off the list? I think you said it best. It's hard to look at the talent on the roster and think that they're not a top 25 team. I know that's the mindset when going into preseason rankings, but even just in the lineup, Carter Graham, Brett Barrera, Tommy Troy, Eddie Park, Brock Jones. Yeah. Um, Braden talent Montgomery. Upon it's, talent. Exactly. There, there are all, all, however many I listed, I think eight guys are legitimate draft prospects. And they've been, they've lost five of six games. They've just really, really struggled to close yeah. out games. I think they're trying to find that, that, that true stopper at the back end of the bullpen. Um, they've they've messed around with a few guys um joey dixon who's more of i think he he's he's best in that middle to line relief role he's best when it's two to three innings um ryan bruno is another guy that they've tried out there tommy o'rourke 
And these are all really good pitchers. Um, you look at their staff ERA and it's still sitting under four and they've gotten quality starts from everyone that they, that they have, whether it's Quinn Matthews, Alex Williams, Drew Dowd. It's just a matter of time. I think where before they kind of all get clicking and they figure out where the right pieces are to fit in. Um, yes, it's alarming to start off conference play with five of six losses and against Oregon and Arizona, but I think they're right there. They're going to have a series where they really explode and people are going to be able to tell if they turn the corner. So yes, I'm concerned because they're severely underperforming, but they've got a great coaching staff, a great team. And I, I think they'll be just fine in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to be just fine. Uh, we hope they're going to be just fine. I think they'll be just fine. We have that talent. I mean, at the end of the day, they only have four more losses than other teams here on the top 25. And, you know, one series could completely change that and could move a lot of things around. So um, number 23, we have Gonzaga, pretty standard across all, all rankings. 22, Texas State. 21, Louisville. And now number 20, Wake Forest. This is a team that you have been all over since the beginning of college baseball, and for good reason, too. A very talented roster with talented pitching and surprising stars all over. Um, what do you think about Wake Forest? I love this Wake Forest team. As you mentioned, I've been so high on them in our group chat, and you know, whenever I can, I'll gas them up. I think they're going to go to Omaha. Um, their lineup is they have a ton of firepower and this is what's crazy is they're doing this all with Brock Wilkin, not necessarily having a great year to his yeah, standards. I mean, he's still right. He's still hitting 285 bombs. Um, but it's just a matter of time before he really gets hot and they've had pleasant surprises. I think with guys like Brennan Tinsman, who's been there for, I think this is his fourth or even fifth year. Um, Pierce Bennett, who didn't get a lot of time last year. And then even true freshman, Nick, Nick um, Kurtz from Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. He's been their stalemate over at first base and he's done nothing but hit. And I, I keep talking about the hitting. And then one of my favorite players on our team, he hits ninth for him. He's like five, five from North Carolina. His name is Tommy Hawk. He has an unbelievable name. He's just a slasher gets on base. Absolutely flies. They've got a little bit of everything. And then the, the pitching staff, I mean, their starting pitching is – it is – I would put it up against anyone in the country, Brett Louder, yeah. Josh Hartle, uh, Teddy McGraw. Hartle got hit around a little bit, but Georgia Tech's got a really good offense. And all things considered, he's had a fantastic year as a freshman. Brett Louder is a guy. Our third co-host, Ryan Miller, is particularly high on. It's hard yeah, not he to loves, be. loves Louder. <laughs> he loves Louder. I, and for good reason, I think he'll be a yeah, first pick. Absolutely. First round draft pick. Um, and then at the back end, you look at Cam Minacci and Eric Adler, and that is a hard, hard one-two punch to beat. Minacci has been all over pitching Ninja. Ninja, he's got a, a electric fastball. It's been up to 98, and he pitches with awesome emotion. And they're a team that it they're hard to kind of poke holes in. I guess you could say they're still looking for that true third starter. Um but their bullpen is so solid. There's no reason to think that their hitting is going to level off. Do I, I don't think they'll have three guys to hit above 370 like they have now, but no. um, there will be no real regression where you see a guy like Brennan Tinsman hit like 250, 260 for the year. So I think they're in a really good spot. That series was a big win. Nice little mosquito action here. Um, 
I think that was a big series win down at Georgia Tech, and and I think they're going to roll through ACC play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a team that went toe-to-toe with Florida State a couple games back, and they had no problem against the best pitching duo in, this, in the country, in our opinion. So, I mean, they deserve to be ranked at number 20 on our list. Um, so coming in at number 19, Old Dominion. This is a team that we've had ranked now two weeks in a row. Um, previously, uh, I forget where they were previously. They were not too far behind. They're around the same place, but Old Dominion still here, ranked at number 19. This is just a team that just keeps on fighting. They <laughs> that really don't lose much at 16 and two. There's a lot of guys that have, you know, a pretty young team, uh, but some guys that can go in the 2023 draft. So what, what do you see in Old Dominion and why are they on our list? Well, they're not on others, much like Wake Forest. Yeah, they're a team that I'm, I'm in love with, just like I am with Wake Forest. Um, I know they won't get the attention that Wake does being a Conference USA team. Um, but this is a team that has arguably one of the most explosive offenses, maybe the most explosive in the country. Um, and I know that's a big label to stick on them with teams like Tennessee out there, Arizona. But if you watch this team play, they just, they bang. It starts with Andy Gariola. He's hitting. And what's crazy about Gariola is he started off like two for 14, um, which is a minute sample size, but we're still kind of in the small sample size uh, stage. He's now hitting 360, nine doubles, nine home runs. Um, he's, him and Carter Trice, another guy, he's a super sophomore, not age-wise, he's just super good. Um, he's a right fielder, second baseman. Team USA alum is a true freshman. Um, he's hitting 305 with six home runs. Sorry, seven home runs, seven doubles. Plays great defense in right field. They've moved him out to right field now with a couple of guys coming back from injuries. He's got an above-average arm. He's an above-average defender, robbed a home run the other day. He's actually been clocked as high as – I think 99 or hundred miles an hour from the right, from, from the corner. So, yeah. I mean, they're, they're a legit offense. And then you look again, they've got veteran guys, Chris Dingler, Matt Kootenai, Thomas Wheeler. It's, I always think that you need experience to win. Um, and I think that theory holds true. You can't do it. I think with freshmen and sophomore, as good as they might be, you need guys who have been there before, know what it's like. This whole team, their whole line of contributors, they're back from their run in the um, – they should have hosted, but it was actually in Columbia and South Carolina, um, that regional. They're going to, I think, win the Conference USA. And I think that they've put in a bid to host a regional, so they should get games at, I think, the Norfolk Tide Stadium if they win the Conference USA and all goes well. Um, and then in the on the pitching staff, their most electric arm is Noah Dean, lefty reliever up to 98. He's just, I mean, he, he's borderline unhittable. I think he's given up one hit in 10 innings um, with 18 Ks. So you want to talk about a back-end guy that a team like Stanford's looking for. Old Dominion's got it with Noah Dean, and, and they're not afraid to ride him for one, two. And I'm sure as we get down to more crucial games when the conference tournament and regionals, they'll ride him for three. So they're a team I'm really excited about and a lot of people will be excited about, I think really soon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a team that can just develop pitching. I mean, guys straight below camp. That's what I prefer to old dominion as. So uh, moving on number 18, we have the Georgia Bulldogs dropped down a couple places, but still right, right there in the middle of the pack. And then 17, we got the Texas tech red Raiders 16, Louisiana, 
um, LSU. And so LSU dropped a little bit. You know, they used to be, we had them right up there real high in the first couple of weeks. And now they're down to 16, still in the top 25. But, you know, what makes you, uh, even with a record of 15 and five, still think that LSU is, deserves to drop down to number 16? Yeah, LSU, I'm not so worried about in the long run. We each sound like broken records talking about the names that they have and the talent they have. Right. Um, but they have had a little bit of a slow, I'd say, two or so week stretch. They they didn't have the best showing at the Shriners Classic. Um, had a close game with McNeese State on the midweek game following that, which I think you can attribute just the the hangover of that and being on that 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 really big stage and a lot of teams. It's a big come down. Um, Bethune Cookman, they didn't exactly roll through another close midweek with Tulane. And then this weekend they lost a series to, I think a good Texas A&M team an underrated Texas A&M team. Um, so, I mean, I think it's hard to justify not dropping a team where they may have not played the best baseball for 10 days, but um, they're not in, I think Mississippi state territory for me, where I'm kind of sounding alarm bells with LSU. Um, they got good news with Blake money that it was just a wrist and nothing with his arm. So he'll be fine in the long term. their offense. You want to talk about explosive offenses there. Yeah. They, they fit the bill to a T. So no, I'm not worried about LSU. I just think it's hard not to drop them after a slow 10 days. Yeah, absolutely. They'll, I'm sure they're going to climb right back up the ladder. Um, I, there's really no doubt in my mind, especially with Blake Money not having a long, a long-term injury, which is just absolutely huge for LSU. So at number 15, we have UNC, the Tar Heels. Uh, 14, Liberty, sticking around in you know the middle of the pack. 13, Notre Dame, and now 12, the Arizona Wildcats. And uh, I think we have to talk about Arizona after what they just did to Stanford and a big reason why they Stanford dropped so much off of D1 baseball and all the way down to number 23 on our list. So why is Arizona deserved to be number 12 on our top 25? What makes them so special? This Arizona team, and we saw it especially this past weekend, um, they're scary. Um, they've got, again, guys like Chase Davis, who – I think will be a collegiate national team player this summer. If you look at his swings last night, especially against Stanford, his two home run swings, it is really hard not to see Carlos Gonzalez in his prime. Um, It helps that he also wears number five, but he's got light tower power. I mean, he's tooled up to the gills. Like he's got a plus arm in in the corner. He's a plus runner. The raw is at least 60 um the key for him is just going to be continuing to make good swing decisions and putting the ball in play and then susac is susac and they've gotten really good contributions from experienced guys look at tanner otremba who's back mac bingham who's back um and then on their pitching side it starts with tj nichols is their friday guy flamethrower with a legit breaking ball he's been outstanding in that role and in the back end of the bullpen, if you look at Holden Christian, he's he's not he's kind of an under the radar name. He was a transfer from Loyola Marymount who put up video game numbers. He's been really good for them. Um, Trevor Long is another guy in the bullpen who's been really really solid. They're just a really well rounded club. Um, and it was fans were kind of wondering what it would be like after Jay Johnson left and he built such an established program and Jacob Berry follows him um and Chip Hill's done nothing but I would say prove everyone wrong and even exceed expectations they've 
they showed, especially this weekend, that they're going to be a really tough out in the newly uh, conceptualized Pac-12 tournament, and even more so when they probably host a regional, they may even be a top eight seed. So they're another team to look out to make an Omaha run. Um, and yeah, they, they, uh, they're, they're really, really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you scrolled through Twitter to last night, all you saw was Chase Davis, just oh, I every, everywhere. I, you couldn't not see him. It was impossible not to see him. <laughs> I, I tried opening the app and it was, it was, it was a little salt in the wound. Chase Davis is playing on the Cape this summer and he hit his second home run off of one of the Katua players for this summer. I couldn't open the app without seeing that home run on repeat, but it's hard not to put a swing like that with a player caliber of yeah. Chase Davis. So beautiful, um, beautiful swing right there. No, big time. So I, I the good news is, is that's definitely not going to be the last swing that Chase Davis gets off that looks like mm-hmm. that. So I, I there might be more Chase Davis filled Twitter nights. I, I I would think so. So let's keep going down the list. Um, we're just going to go through a couple, you know, all the way down, probably 11 to four, just because I want to talk about another team that we, you know, maybe put down earlier. But so at 11, we have Georgia Tech. Number 10 is the Florida Gators. Nine, we have Virginia, 19 and one, but ranked at number nine. Just, you know, not played the best talent, but uh, they're still ranked. Number eight, Oklahoma State Cowboys. Seven, Oregon State Beavers. Six, we have Florida State five Tennessee and now number four Vanderbilt Commodores at 70 17 and two this is a team that when we first before we started doing these top 25s of our own or before D1 baseball did anything besides their pre one preseason top 25 this is a team we said did not deserve to be there up and up at up, up this high we said you know they're a 20th ranked team or or borderline and we had thought they had no chance now they're 17 and two rolling uh Guys are starting to come out of the pen, like Christian Little and Patrick Riley, pitching exactly how they thought we were going to be, even though they're not starters. They're going to get it done in the bullpen. Um, I mean, there's just pitching depth upon pitching depth, and they've, you know, they've taken on their role as America's team, as Ryan Miller put in his top 25. So <laughs> what, what is it with Vanderbilt? Why did we think they just didn't have a chance before and so many other people put them down? And, you know, now uh, Coach Corbin has proven that he is – they are this team. They are America's team. Yeah, there were a lot of holes going into this team. I mean, into this year that I think people were a little worried about. The loss of, obviously, Kamar Rocker, Jack Leiter. That's an irreplaceable one-two punch on the mound. Yeah, so that's absolutely. right there. You're replacing two-thirds of your weekend rotation. Um, and then they lost other key contributors from the lineup. And so it's so hard to know with freshmen. Um, but if there's anyone not to doubt, it's Tim Corbin. Um, with his track record, his winning pedigree, the ability to develop guys, it's, it's just foolish to, to, to doubt him. And so I, I don't know why anyone or myself included is shocked when they see true freshmen stepping into the everyday lineup and, and really finding success. The main guy who fits that is probably Davis Diaz, who's a third base, second base type. I think he'll end up at second when Tate Colwick leaves. Um, but he's a really good defender with super, super good feel for the barrel. And he's a really good hitter and he's just screams wise beyond his years. You watch him, how he approaches the game, his cerebral approach in the batter's box. Um, he's a guy who you probably think is a junior or senior and they've get him, they get him for three more years. And then Spencer Jones, their big lefty had a great summer in their Cape on the Cape, um, has followed that up with a really good start to the year. Dom Keegan, 
another yeah. guy who's similar Carter Young's bat has gotten going which has been a really big key for that offense I, I know with Carter Young it starts with his defense and how he's already got the I would say defensive prowess of a of a big league shortstop and and you talk about the pitching it's just like their numbers are are ridiculous it, their team ERA is I think around two um and that's with like a couple of just stinker outings yeah, that happen two, 206 crazy uh, that's crazy nuts. And, and the the talent they have on that staff you mentioned guys uh riley christian little um they're two freshmen carter holton and nelson burke which devin fatrell has stepped up donye evans i think i could name their whole pitching staff and it would <laughs> and 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 not be i would i guess like chirp for it but there's not one person that is on that pitching staff that a team is excited to face. They're not sitting there saying, Oh yes, thank God we get so-and-so um, that pitching staff is going to be, a, they're going to be able to take Vanderbilt, I think back to Omaha. They're that good. And again, if they just continue to hit it, it's just, it's hard not to believe that they're going to be right back there in the college world series finals. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if the hitting continues, like you said, the pitching is not going to stop. I think that's certain. I mean, this is an offense that, I mean, they literally do everything. They doubles, they have a ton of guys with multiple triples. Uh, they have, you know, they're not the biggest power team, but they have a good amount of home runs and they walk. I mean, they already have 104 walks as a team. I mean, it's just crazy that they do every, all the little things, right. Which, and then when they do something special, it just puts them over the top. They're just all well, well-rounded team. Yeah. And you reminded me they're, they're a really fast team. Enrique oh, Bradfield is yeah. going to be a top half of the first round draft pick next year. Oz, Davis Diaz, they make the game a lot faster on opponents than it needs to be. Whether that's a, a softly hit infield single that they beat out movement on the base pass they really speed up the game for opponents, I think, which gives so many teams fits and they do not take their foot off the gas pedal, which is an, it's an underrated aspect of their game. Um, but it's going to be a key reason why that they probably get back to Omaha. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then we got Arkansas Razorbacks. I'm sure everyone has heard on multiple podcasts all across just baseball, why we love Arkansas and why the whole country loves Arkansas. Um, next we have Texas Longhorns at number two, and then I'm just going to put, say it, Ole Miss Rebels at number one. So these are two of the top teams, two of the top teams to even include in Arkansas. I think there's no doubt about that, that these are top three teams in the country. I'm not sure anyone would put any other team ahead of these three, but some might say that no, Texas is the number one team or Ole Miss doesn't deserve to be the number one team. Uh, personally me, I think Ole Miss definitely deserves to be up there. But why might some say that Texas, you know, deserves to be number one or even better question, why do we stand firm and put Texas at number two? Yeah, no, I, it, Texas being number one is an argument that I frankly, I think is, is easy ish to make. Um, there was a reason why they were in that number one slot for us for so long. Their lineup has been, you know, continued to produce. I, I think the only knock against them, um, they obviously dealt with a really big blow in losing Tanner Witt, which, you know, we're not going to judge a team off of that. But they had a really, I think, what um, the main reason why we had them to swap with Ole Miss. They had a tough weekend down in South Carolina, not even just against the Gamecocks, the state of. Um, they dropped that series to South Carolina. 
lose another one to College of Charleston in a midweek game. And then they right the ship a little bit. They blow out the Citadel and then cruise through Incarnate Word. So I think that after that first little South Carolina blip, um, Ole Miss continued to play really well. So it was an easy swap to make. Ole Miss deserves that number one spot. Not to say that Texas doesn't, but it's going to be those two kind of fighting it out along with Vanderbilt, Tennessee. The top of the our top ten, there are a lot of really good teams in there. I think Tennessee, there's Absolutely. an argument to be made to stick them at the top. Oregon State as well. Vanderbilt, obviously, we touched on Arkansas. So once we get into conference play and these SEC teams start to beat up on each other a little bit, it's going to be a really good litmus test for teams like Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, at Tennessee especially to see where they line up with the rest. And I'm just excited to watch it all unfold. Yeah, me me too, absolutely. And so just something. To- interesting to point out you know our top six uh florida state tennessee vanderbilt arkansas texas and and old miss i mean a good majority of these teams are built on their pitching and we've been saying it this whole entire time you know the depth of pitching is what's going to get you to omaha and ultimately win the college world series i mean tennessee has guys like ben joyce who come out of the pen and throw 104 and then we already just went on and on about vanderbilt florida state as two of our favorite pitchers and messick um, and you know, and even Ole Miss, they get, everyone's worried about their pitching. John Gaddis and Derek Diamond have been unbelievable. So it's really just the pitching that has these teams in the top six or top 10, whatever, all these teams just have absolute fantastic pitching. Yeah, no, I'm with you. You mentioned Ole Miss. I think their pitching goes a little unnoticed. Um, they brought in a guy like Jack Washburn from Oregon state, who was a huge addition to their pitching staff. Um, I mean, you touched on Derek Diamond. Hunter Elliott's been a freshman. I know they're really excited about who's done nothing but pitch really well. It's just, I love the state of college baseball in general right now. The SEC is absolutely stacked. I mean, when is it, when is it not? But like I said, I'm excited to watch these teams get into conference play. And, and there's going to be a lot of ranked matchups coming up here soon, especially SEC, Big 12, Pac-12. And I'm excited to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, me too. So real quick, before we wrap up um, next, this next episode, next, uh, this upcoming week, we're going to have a recap of little things that happened, but more preview for what's to come in this upcoming weekend of college baseball. So now we just want to take the time and, you know, say some things that happened over the weekend that we thought were awesome. So I know we both before recording started, we're talking about Arizona and Stanford and we even touched on it a little bit here, but just what made that series so special and, you know, the sweep of Stanford, what it was just, I know we want to talk about it. So let's just get it out in the open. Yeah. That Stanford Arizona series was great. If you look at it just with the naked eye, you'll see an Arizona sweep, but I think it was a lot more than that. These were all games that were close going into the later innings, I think other than one. And it was just kind of who came down into the, who it all came down to who was able to just finish games. We talked about Stanford that kind of being their Achilles heel early on, but Arizona being able to get the big hit when it mattered. That's such a a huge key to winning these important games, whether it be a series against Stanford, a game three in a regional Omaha. I mean, they have guys who are, they can lean on in a big spot with Susak and Chase Davis, Otremba. I, I think it showed a lot more about Arizona and their ability to be considered in that top tier of teams than it did Stanford being a team that people should be worried about. So that's kind of why I was excited. Um, Another one for me, if you want to, I don't know if it was 
I, I think we align here too was Georgia Tech and Wake Forest. Um, that was, I think, again, it showed more about Wake Forest that they are right there in the top tier of the ACC than it did Georgia Tech being bad. Georgia Tech was without Chandler Simpson. Um, granted, the offense wasn't the issue, it was the pitching. Um, the ball does fly down there on the flats, but um, no, that was that was a really, really big weekend for Wake Forest. They followed it up again today with a 13-6 drubbing of Liberty. Um, so all indications are that the Deeks are firing all cylinders. And one series that I'm probably most excited about this weekend is when Wake plays UVA. That's going to be a um, – it's going to be hard to top that series this weekend. Yeah, I mean – we touched on it and keep saying it, but every time I turn on the TV and I watch Wake Forest, um, I just can't keep my uh, take my eyes away from it. Uh, their pitching is just unbelievable, and they always surprise me with how many home runs they hit. And it's just they're absolutely so fun to watch. Their team's electric. It's just always fun to watch them. But something I the last thing I'll touch on myself. Um, the only thing I really want to mention is just how sick Ivan Melendez is. I mean, the self-proclaimed Hispanic Titanic unbelievable i scroll through twitter i watch him on tv uh, it's he's just amazing i've never seen college home runs hit farther than this guy i mean his bat flips go all the way to the mound it, he's insane redshirt senior i know sorry redshirt junior uh, he just comes back and just keeps does just keeps doing it the hispanic titanic i mean my god I, this is a guy who has legit pop yeah, no, I mean, he's an, it's an 80 nickname. It's 80 power. Uh, he, his ABs are their must-watch territory. Um, and so is that Texas team. Again, they play My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion when they hit a home run. There's nothing better than a full stadium, like, serenading to that. Um, so they're a incredibly fun team to watch. Melendez, I mean, you touched on it. He's, I mean, he's the Hispanic Titanic. So yeah. <laughs> not much else needs to be said. Yeah, I mean they're they're hitting they're him and uh, Murphy Steely are hitting over four hundred each, so just crazy. They're a crazy team. So I don't know if you have anything else to touch on, but that's gonna do it for me. No, man, I I think we we crushed that recap of the top twenty five. Um, Absolutely. I know Miller and Ethan talked a lot of Florida Gators in part one, so you guys all got that fix, and I'm excited to discuss more in depth this weekend and some things to watch and what might happen in the midweek games um, later on this week. Yeah, so definitely look out for our episode later this week, uh, previewing the weekend to come. I hope you enjoyed this episode and many more to come. Also, keep on looking out for our top 25, along with just the rankings. We're going to have write-ups, short little blurbs on every team, uh, courtesy of Ryan Miller, um, who does a great job with those. So, you know, follow us on Twitter, the Boys of Spring, JB. Uh, Follow our personal Twitters. They'll be in the bio. And, you know, subscribe to all the other Just Baseball podcasts. And thank you for listening. See you guys.